underneath the sofa and you see all the cowering toys under there and they're the same toys from tin toy yeah when they're when they're hiding from the, the baby callbacks, the yeah. Callbacks. It's yeah, just, yeah it's just and it's each one it's the same style as the one under the but a little bit changed yeah. but it's yeah it's brilliant and so that's why their feet are webbed Good morning. <laughs> so Rick and I have been talking all night long, and he just let me know it's time to record that we <laughs> that he's been running. How many hours is on, are on that thing? I've got a thirty-two gig. Uh, we started card. this at seven thirty at night, and now, oh my God, what is that flaming ball in the sky? But you know what, Derek? That's old news now. All You've right, got to do something fresh and new. All right. Hey, this is the Fanboy Planet Podcast. Thanks for listening. And I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. Sitting across from me with a shiny board, producing this, Rick Brett Snyder. There was a strange, dramatic pause there. It was. Did you forget your own last name? No, I was trying to think. I was going to put something in about the Silver Rider of the Spaceways, <laughs> because it's my, to me, my board. But I, I thought, no. But you had to ask the question, so I had to be honest. You'll cut that in post, right? Okay. Anyway, uh, so we got some comics news, some movie news, some TV news for you. Thank you for listening. I know there are a lot of pop culture podcasts around, and you chose this one, so appreciate that. Before we get into it, I do want to say, of course, that anything we talk about on tonight's podcast, this episode, I mean, this morning's, right? We're time traveling. I just already said good morning. So, <sighs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's not what I'm tired. Anyway, uh, so anything we talk about on this podcast uh, that, that you would like to own for your very own, and you can, and you cannot find it at your own, at your local brick-and-mortar store, uh, you can order things through Fanboy Planet uh, through each and every page on the podcast uh, of the podcast, and every, each and every page on the site has a search box, and sometimes a suggested items box from Amazon, and you click through there, and then, and then as you explore Amazon, anything you purchase gets a, a little kind of kickback to us. We are affiliated with Amazon, which means that there's a small percentage that comes back to Fanboy Planet if you that make purchases through That name finally the, makes sense. What? Amazon. They explore the Amazon. Mm. All right. So anyway, if, uh, <laughs> you know, so we appreciate that. And, of course, if you'd like to just help defray the cost of a podcast and, uh, and uh, running a site... Uh, you can, of course, donate directly to PayPal at editor at fanboyplanet.com, and that's where you can also join the conversation. You can write in any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism. Write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com. Follow us on Facebook. Join the Facebook page, which is Fanboy Planet. You can follow us on Twitter, which is also Fanboy Planet. And just for fun, you can go on Instagram. What's that? And it's Fanboy Planet. Oh. Uh, there we go. Uh, so, anyway... Uh, speaking of, someone did actually email after, I, I think this is maybe two podcasts ago, and I know, I've got to say, it's been a while. Yeah. What was our last episode? Oh, we were at Seven Stars, yes. and right before we saw Evil Dead the Musical, and then I was sent back into Medieval I'd Times. I'd already seen it, you were just before. And, and I was sent back into Medieval Times, yes. and yes. I fought some Deadites, and then I yeah. made it back. Hail you to the slept king. your wall. Hail you slept the, the whole I slept way. too long. Uh, I love that alternate ending. Uh, anyway. So it has been a while because uh, this is, you know, dare we say it's just been work. It's been illness. It's been, it's been a heck of a January. I because it, it's already February, but it's been a, you know, it's been a rough a month. So uh, thank you for your patience coming back to us. Anyway, we got this letter to the editor from a reader, uh, a listener. I'm maybe he's a reader too, named Brent, and the and the 
headline is whitewashing in the new mutants. And so let me give a little bit of context is uh, when the final trailer for new mutants came out, I did discuss that I, I was really bothered that Roberto do Costa and, and now I can't remember the, because uh, I'm Rain Sinclair. Uh, no, no rain is, is right. That's Maisie Williams. Okay. Uh, it, it's uh, the oh. psychiatrist, uh, the, the doctor in it, who is, uh, who I believe was Dominican in the comics was also played by, by a Brazilian actress of much lighter skin. Um, and, and definitely the, the actor portraying sunspot Roberto da Costa is not black, even though, uh, in the comics, it, it is a salient point of his origin having to deal with that prejudice, even in Brazil, so forth. Yeah. I didn't just say even in Brazil, cause I have no idea what the prejudice level is in Brazil, but I would assume, Chris Claremont told me it was bad. I believe it was uh, and is. So anyway, uh, I got this whitewashing of the New Mutants, and I really do appreciate this feedback. It begins, disclosure, I'm not white, with a smiley face, uh, emoticon. Dear woke white guy who's freaked out that his fiction is not diverse enough because two characters were replaced by white characters in the upcoming New Mutants movie. It's okay, dude. Calm down. I agree that race swapping is idiotic. It happens to minority characters, and it also happens to white characters. Heimdall, Johnny Storm, Mary Jane Watson, etc. So get a grip, SJW white dude, for those who are not aware, social justice warrior. And I believe it's been two years since I first said I was really hoping to be branded that by a listener. So Congratulations. Thank you, thank you Brent. Uh, race swapping happens. If you're okay with it happening in one direction, you can't bitch when it happens the other way too. And anyways, minorities don't need you woke white men to be offended on our behalf. No one asked you to be upset about it, so drop the false outrage. So here's what I'm going to say. Uh, Rick and I were talking about this before the podcast, and I said, actually, back when, as much as I think that Michael B. Jordan is a, is a good actor, I believe I did call out that I was concerned Mm -hmm. about the casting his casting as johnny storm for a reason that it didn't make sense plot wise that you had to do x additional twists and turns in case people don't know who michael b jordan is he is a black man he played johnny well he played killmonger in black panther and he played johnny storm in the fantastic four movie that we all pretend doesn't that it's on the shelf next to jonah hex the third best no, fourth it's, best. It's the fourth best Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four movie so far. Yes. Uh, so, and I thought he was he was he was great. He is a great actor. I absolutely love him. Uh, he himself has pointed out like that. Uh, there's Warner Brothers. Ha- he's confirmed. Warner Brothers talked to him about playing Superman, and he said he would only play Superman if he could play Cal Ellis. The president of the United States in Earth, like Earth thirty eight, that Grant Morrison, did, oh, yeah, the yeah, alternate yeah. universe one, you know. Again, proving his bona fides as right. a comic book fan. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, Brent, you know, I I said it because, to me, uh, I was in high school when New Mutants started. Roberto da Costa was a character I really liked. I, it was it was a, a view into a, into a different culture. So I think that's really maybe why that one bothers me. Um, let's, I, let's be straight, too, because there's a difference between saying this bothers me a little bit and rage. So there's no. But I didn't rage. There but was I, no I rage. I think I probably. I you know I might have been uh, a little histrionic because we're recording. I get caffeinated, and you know I get a little amped up, and and I want to make it interesting to listen to. And I you know so okay. Yeah. I would also argue that I probably have just as many friends that would say, you know, yeah, we're bothered too. And and friends who don't have to tell me, uh, disclosure, I, I, I'm not white, you know, because I know they're not, you know. So I, I don't know. You're right. What can I say? Yeah. Uh, I guess I don't care either way then. But I just think it's it, that my, my, my issue is there are far more characters of color historically that have been made white for films and television than there are characters in a in a very brief period that we are living through right now yeah. characters that are white that are made people made more diverse so i you know 3 years is not yet the the making up for it and when you have a character like to me again when you had a team that was so specifically diverse in its creation to change that was just if you're going to keep those characters 
it just doesn't make sense to me either way. You know, again. So I, I will. I can I add one thing? Yeah. The, the whole social justice warrior as a pejorative is something that, I, that makes no sense to me because since I was a teenager, I've been out, outraged about social injustice. It's nothing new. And it's not anything that I go to war on, but I'm certainly concerned about it. No, in fact, I, can you imagine me holding a weapon? Uh, no, no, don't, don't. Um, but no, I. But it's I, upside down in my mind. The weapon, you got it on wrong. Yeah, so I'm shooting myself in the face instead of the foot. Yeah. Uh, no, and I should also say, yeah, I, I taught ten years at a Catholic school, so Catholic social justice is actually kind of. I kind of had to eat, breathe, and sleep it. And I don't, I don't want to say had to, you know. It, it was part of the environment. It was part of the environment. And, yeah. and I will admit, it, it was also a little bit of an adjustment because I'd lived in a different kind of bubble for a while. So, yeah, I spent 10 years in a Catholic social justice bubble, and I'm not in there anymore. And I, I still find that a better way, you know. And, it, and that's the same yeah. reason I read comics. I read comics for social justice, for heroism, for how we should be. And I'll, I'll take – And I'll, I think I'm moving way beyond Brent's point, yeah. and I'm not trying to, uh, to antagonize either. Sure. I really appreciate getting called out and having to step back and think about that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Often, and Rick knows this, and much to his chagrin, I say stuff, forget I said it, because we're going so far. You know, uh, it's very rare I listen to the podcast myself afterwards, uh, only if I feel like, did we do a good interview? Oh, I gotta, I gotta listen to that. Oh yeah, that was as good a conversation as I thought it was, because I'm busy being in it, you know, so. Right, oh no, yeah. Yeah, you know, so, that's that. So, Brent, thank you so much for writing seriously, and uh, I hope you are still listening. And I, I hope you're not—I I don't think you were offended. I think you were just kind of, kind of teasing. And it's, you know, I'll step back. Look, you know, it's fine. I know what I am, and I know the things that bother me. And I'm still going to say what bothers me. But you know, I am what I am. I am what I am. Uh, I am just a wave, a on leaf the ocean. on the wind. And a wave on the ocean. Oh, yeah, back, yeah. Right. But it does to the water. We won't talk about it because I'll cry. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so uh, so let's get to some comics news, shall we? Yeah. I think the big news of 2020 is the news out of IDW uh, today. <laughs> okay. That, uh, that, that the crossover of the century is about to happen. Uh, things will never be the same. No, things will never be the same. They announced that coming in May, every week for four weeks, will be a four-issue My Little Pony Transformer crossover comic. I could read you the description, but I will have to admit, nothing on My Little Pony makes, other than my, I do have a Dr. Hooves figure, uh-huh. because I, I, I had to, uh, and it, nothing against My Little Pony. I think maybe I watched one episode and thought I watched a couple it was episodes. charming. Yeah. It was charming, but it, my daughter was already older. It's entirely appropriate for the age that it was targeted at. The fact that that age has blended into other generations is, is charming, too. And well, I think welcome pe- to American culture in 2020, Rick. But people, people are looking for things that are not necessarily going to make them feel bad or outraged or whatever. Yeah. That's that's uh, yeah. Tell me about it. As I've spent uh, every night that I am uh, <laughs> home, what I'm parsing out one episode per night of of my Ultraman Blu-rays oh, of yeah. the remastered Ultraman uh-huh. because it's like no, uh, I don't. I I just I just need that comfort at the end of the day. I remember that monster. Oh, nice. You know. <laughs> anyway, so anyway, so that is that's that's all I got to say on it. I think it's a funny idea. And, you know, I'll go back with all the crossovers that Archie has done. Uh, Archie meets Punisher. Archie meets Predator. Uh, did they do an Archie meets Aliens? No, but they, there's an Archie meets Kiss. I think there's a... Okay, no, no maybe not. Predator. Yeah, there's Predator. two Predators, yeah. which involves the Archie multiverse. And those things are... Books are weird and entertaining as heck. So, you know what? My Little Pony's Transformers could be fantastic. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not here to poop on it. Nope. You know, no, no, no. Uh, but speaking of bad ideas, uh, now there's a new publisher called Bad Idea, an unruly new comic book publisher. It's from the people that founded the latest incarnation of Valiant. Founded, I should say, because they were bought out a couple of years ago. So they're the ones that created Harbinger, the 
recreated recreated harbinger and bloodshot that sony bought up and and that that's coming you know right. uh, great trailer for bloodshot actually saw it on um, big Faith. screen a couple of weeks ago vin diesel playing yeah. it but no it looks like a really interesting and i think it they did make a call from the comic book like yes please remind people that this interesting looking vin diesel movie comes from a comic and it looks kind of interesting um and i do like the graphic novel or, or the trade collections i have but anyway so they're here so they just said it's an experimental new comic book publisher debuting <laughs> debuting debuting in select you know, comic some shops. people make fun of people people talk but i'm not going to go there. you know why because i am a natural born story tweller rick exactly. absolute natural born story tweller that word's going to be in the dictionary i'm twoning it okay so anyway or should i say poning it i don't know anyway uh they're Going to select comic shops. So they're, they have this, uh, like uh, TKO, uh, a mantra that is don't do anything unless it's special. I mean, that's not TKO's, but, but that is their attitude. TKO came in, studios doing something completely different in the way they were approaching things. They learned from their mistakes. They made a mistake out of the gate and they knew it. Uh, and TKO's second round of, of graphic novels was great. Uh, so anyway, back to bad idea. Same thing. Don't do anything unless it's, it's special. So it's, it's going, it's a limited number of series at any given time. I'm so grateful for this. No more than one or two single issues per month. Single issue monthly comics are the fuel that keeps bad ideas engine running. And so they're, they're ready. And, uh, so they're, they're going to have all A-list creators. The first book out will be a thing called ENIAC, which is from Matt Kint, who's writer of a book I got to read, Mind Management and Folklords, uh, and artist Doug Brathwaite comes out in May, 2020. Uh, there'll be more. Oh, there is Josh Dysart is mentioned. Uh, so friend of the podcast, uh, love Josh. So exciting creators, Adam Polina from X-Force. Yeah. Robert Venditti, who I've really enjoyed. Uh, so anyway, they've got several and far more coming, but here's the thing. Bad idea. Comics will not be available everywhere. They will be self-distributing its titles to a carefully selected roster. And I'm going to admit this sounds insane of just 20 participating comic book retailers with more admitted on a rolling basis for a total of roughly 50 within the first year. And so uh, it's going to be hard to find bad idea comics at first. You think they'll do mail order as well? I don't know. I, I got I, I should email back yeah. and ask them. So I, I just got that, uh, got that press release last night, and then I haven't had a chance to really respond to, to anything today. So um, it's interesting. I mean, I mean a, a publisher with great cred uh, as far as the experience of everybody involved, yeah, you got to do something to shake it up. Yeah. I am concerned about limit, about limiting the well, accessibility. Uh, yeah, but um, their criteria is all about how much the store is going to promote the book. Mm-hmm. And that makes a lot of sense from the standpoint of a small publisher because – the way stores order nowadays, they order based on requests from from their customers and maybe a little bit more if they feel. But if it's a small press thing, they may just order specifically what their customers have asked them and they, because they know those. Uh, and I know sales. there are plenty of really good publishers that, yeah, it's hard to get traction. Like I, I, I still think like, uh, what did I just pick up? Oh, yeah, there's uh, one from Aftershock. And what, what was the one I, uh, that I love? Ahoy Comics. Uh-huh. It is hard to find Ahoy Comics with the exception of Second Coming because Second Coming, well, made CNN, right? You know, <laughs> it's like, and well worth it. We were on hiatus when the last issue of Second Coming came out, or at least there's going to be, right. they said there'll be a follow-up series. But seriously, one of the best story arcs of the year, Second Coming. I mean, you know, one of those I finished it and went, mm, maybe I shouldn't read comics for the rest of the night. Like there's nothing right, that can right, follow. Right. I need to. What pairs well with the, nothing? I need to sit. You no, know, you know. Yeah. I mean, there are things like like that. Certainly, there's occasionally a television show that I'm like, yeah, I'm done for the day mm-hmm. because there's oh, yeah. because I don't want anything to ruin the vibe of that I'm sitting with this feeling. So, uh, let's speaking of comics, let's get hey. to pick of the week, shall we? Yeah, we were speaking of comics, weren't we? Huh? We were. All right. What's what's your pick of the week, Rick? Well, you know. This is not the first time I picked a book focused on this character, and it's a Marvel comic. 
So it's it's I'm going to say the names. And you're going to go. That's going to be a good book. So the writer's Greg Pak. Mm-hmm. I uh, love Greg. Artist is Rafael Inicino. I, I don't. I e n c o. Okay. Um, and the name of the book is Star Wars Darth Vader, which is another launch of this character in its own book, his own book. And this book really made me realize what they're doing right, what the Star Wars, um, the -hmm. current Marvel Star Wars is doing right with Darth Vader. And that is that nobody else has done. Is now we've had, we've, we've had the whole trilogy, trilogy of trilogies. We've, Miracle of miracles. We've we've we can look at these characters from a number of different angles now that we know their backstories and what they must have been thinking at the time before those backstories were exposed in the middle range stories. And when you look at Darth Vader now, you have the whole a much richer Anakin Skywalker story. Because he was of course he was in the two big movies and he was in Clone Wars as well. And, you know, seven seasons of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we, we pick this, this book starts up literally moments after the end of Empire, Empire Strikes, Strikes Back. Back. Yeah. With Vader even revisiting the experiences of his revelation to Luke. And then Vader deciding, I'm going to go off and try and find out about this kid where he is trying to find him um, and so, he's there's there's a little agenda there that I'm not going to spoil in the previous Marvel Darth Vader series right that Charles Soule wrote I think, think that's right he had realized it was like we got to see that moment that he realized that Luke was his son yes okay good. but now this is post post right, that by right because that distance. was between Star Wars and Empire Strikes or, right. or A New Hope a new and hope. Empire Strikes Back so when you look at the character of Anakin Skywalker, who is still coming term- to terms with being Darth Vader, especially when his past is brought up in a storyline, that's really interesting. And when you get a good writer like Greg Pak on it, it's it's a super book. And I read this and I just went, because I was kind of worried about this because the previous ones have been, you know, when, when something's been really good so far and then you get another team and another start in the book like there was one mini series with vader and some assassins and stuff that was an okay it was an okay story but we're back to a really majestic uh storytelling in the star wars universe here and i can't recommend this book enough so right. it's darth vader issue one so mine is from aftershock as i mentioned great publisher so uh this is the man who fucked a thorpe and presented time uh uptime uh it's from okay effed up time uh john layman and carl mustert with a colorist d cuniff uh so i want to give that i wonder who the letterer is wait a minute wait a minute and john layman is the letterer Ooh, Ooh. layman you're lettering uh anyway he can write he can and he can letter it too so uh this is his new book because uh, I've been catching, I just caught up on uh, Outer Darkness because there's going to be an Outer Darkness 2 crossover. And I, I, I love Layman's work. Like, even as Charlie's Angels was fun, and I don't like Charlie's Angels, but, you know, I mean, I don't care about Charlie's Angels, but but his book there for Dynamite, uh-huh. doing that was fun. Um, he's been dabbling in those 100-page giants for DC. Like, he's got a couple of cool short stories. I would love to see Layman on an, an ongoing Dead Man series. You heard it here first. Ooh. Yeah, he has a short story. I can't remember which one of the 100-page giants that was a great Dead Man story. And this uh, is about a guy who g- goes back in time to try to prevent Lincoln's assassination and uh, Fs up time. And so kind of like that episode of, of Just Doctor- so you can find it on the shelf. It's the man who F pound ampersand. F Excuse me. The pound sign, let's use its actual, it's not a hashtag, it's an uh-huh. Octothorpe. Foctothorpe. You're supposed to push your glasses up when you do that. I, Jason Wiener just reached across the yeah. internet to do that for me because uh, he taught me the word. Percent symbol ED up. Yes, time. Yeah. Uh, so number one, just again, and we've talked about this before, that <laughs> the more buried by other books I get, the more, the more grateful I am for 
like standalone stories that don't cross into any other series. Ironic that I just said, I'm, I'm looking forward to Outer Darkness 2, but it's only three issues. Um, and Chu finished, uh, but the man who effed up time is, you know, a story in and of itself. I have a feeling six issues, if it sells more, I mean, if it sells well enough for more, sure, maybe he'll do it. But I'm getting hungry and hungrier for stories that stand on their own that I can kind of just they have an arc and consume finish. arc and finish. And so, and plus, Aftershock is a really eclectic publisher, as as I think a lot of the indies have become, and. I don't think I've picked up an Aftershock book that I didn't like. Oh. I haven't always picked, I haven't picked up every Aftershock book, but that's okay. That's a matter of taste, but I'm saying uh, that everyone has rewarded me. So uh, that's, and, and yes, I do personally like John Lehman as our former announcer, Nate Costa does as well. And Rick does. And uh, he knows us well enough to actually identify us each correctly at a party. So I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you, Layman, uh, the mighty, mighty Layman. And let us move on to movies. The hot news of the week. Ready? Okay. Which moved from rumor to I think this is confirmed now. Couple, uh, I think on the last podcast or two podcasts ago, uh, we had to break the news that Scott Derrickson, the director of Doctor Strange, had left Doctor Strange in the multitude of, uh, it, he, sorry, in the multiverse of madness. Uh, and so it was like, oh no, who's going to step in for him that will be equal? Who could be that good? Sam Raimi. He's even better. Well, I don't... That's... I see, to me, that's a that's an unfair comparison. Sam, Scott Derrickson's a much younger director. Okay. He's done some very interesting horror films. I think I would... I Raimi would, understands comics. Raimi showed me he understood comics from Dead Man, from a Dark Man, just right, right. there. Right what about there. what about Spider Man Three? No, he was unhappy. Everybody's got a bad time. Yeah, he was unhappy, and and the great Oz, the great and powerful. But you go back to Dark Man. No, Dark Man's fantastic, and, and it's I, such I a comic that. book. And I, who was I? I was just talking about um, in you know I went back to like he, when I was talking about the Ugandan films, uh, Bad Blood. Uh, and Crazy World that I, I reviewed, um, Bad Blood, Wakaliwood is now on um, YouTube, so you can watch it on Fanboy Planet. Uh, Bad Blood is is a, the whole film it, I embedded it at, at Fanboy Planet. And my description is, like, if you didn't know who Sam Raimi was, mm-hmm. and you'd never heard of Evil Dead, <coughs> and then someone just showed that to you, if I had stumbled in on Evil Dead, like, my exposure to Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn, was that I worked at a video store and we had a whole bunch of the cassettes and I was still in my, I was terrified of Night of the Living Dead. So anything that implied a connection to zombies, there right. was no way at that point right. in my life I was going to watch it. So I missed it. I missed having I the too. chance to be, same reason. to discovering it at the same And then, oddly enough, I was on a comedy tour. I, I was, when I was doing improv comedy on a regular basis and I toured colleges in Utah and, and Weber State in Ogden, uh, they had movie night and Evil Dead 2 was, uh, was the film. And so we were like, well, what else are we going to do? All right, we'll go watch Evil Dead 2. And I absolutely, absolutely love that film. So, Yes, Sam Raimi is, and way back when, I don't know how many summers ago, two or three? Well, whenever Ash versus Army of Darkness, uh, not Ash versus Evil Dead, sorry, Ash versus Army of Darkness, I think was one of the comic book adaptations. Right. Ash versus Evil Dead was, uh, before it came out, on the summer before it came out on Stars. I got to sit down at a round table with Sam Raimi, and then we had a little brief, unrecorded, private conversation afterwards because we had a couple of mutual friends and I just want to say hi on their behalf for him. And he was gracious, totally remembered, or at least was gracious enough to say he remembered who they were. And uh, and t- told me to say hi back. You know, So uh, a gentleman a fan- and a fantastically inventive, uh, inventive filmmaker. And I loved a few years back when he went back to kind of his roots and did Drag Me to Hell. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that? That's a, that is one fun horror film. And so I'm I'm with you now. I I'm not the biggest fan of the Spider-Man movies compared to what's going on right now. I know a, that's a controversial opinion. Uh, Mark, mostly because I really I like Tobey Maguire as an actor. I didn't really like him as Peter Parker, but that's okay. Um, 
I he did at least when you got at least Spider Man one and Spider Man two. Raimi had a sense, and the thing with Spider Man three truly is he didn't want to make he didn't want to do Venom, so it shows. Yeah, you know. Um, anyway, having him do Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness would be really interesting because he could play with the things that he likes to play with. Would you get drawn to the imagery? They likes to play right. with you know even in Oz the Great and Powerful the evil trees from Evil Dead are sort of there in the forest you know and, and so there's implication I think that could be really cool and as it ties into if I can jump forward to TV I forgot to put this on the itinerary at Super Bowl of course Disney Plus did these really split second which they're on Fanboy Planet the uh, previews of Winter uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes. Uh, one shot of Loki, and of course the best look yet at WandaVision, which is the trippy. Like I didn't catch half the stuff that was going on because I was just eager to get it posted. I tried to frame step through it, but it's really hard in no, streaming. No, but I got uh, you know I got the picture of Elizabeth Olsen in the classic yes Scarlet Witch costume, and that's uh, and I took that still uh, on Fanboy Planet, and the costume looks kind of chintz, and it went it's so sitcommy. That's exactly it. They're showing it to as like a classic. And I was thinking of it in terms of 50s sitcom. And then I saw somebody else who did a much better job of catching it. I wish I knew who because I'd like to give them credit. But every, like how it strobes through. Yes. Every single living room is a different iconic yes. sitcom family room. Yes. Living room. And it's Brady Bunch, Modern Family. Cause and there's that movie. sequence where it's an angle and yeah. she's in color and he's in black and white. and Yeah. And then she's going to play a, a, a large role in the Multiverse of Madness. And I'm thinking Sam Raimi would have a field day. Yeah. It's finally a, t- a talent, a viewpoint. Well, I mean, it, it's up there with with like, with like what James Gunn ended up doing. And to, and to some extent, and to his credit, what Scott Derrickson ended up doing. I need to go back into Scott Derrickson's earlier films because – and we started in horror. They are interesting – I find that like all the most interesting horror films or the the most interesting reputations of the last few years are very hard to find on the streaming services. Like Netflix will have The Conjuring, it, it, you know that's James Wan, but you know, uh, but they don't have Conjuring Two. Uh-huh. You know, but I've seen The Conjuring. I wanted to go watch the other ones. That's so. why I keep my DVD dot com subscription uh, it, yeah it make it makes sense and yeah. and why i'm i'm gonna be found buried under comic books novel unread comics unread novels and unwatched dvds because i just keep buying more and going i i just someday i'm gonna watch this i yeah you know and i should say uh that i did uh i watched a fantastic horror film this week on amazon prime i that i really enjoyed so as i know it's tv so maybe i should save it but uh, but Aside from discovering, which I knew I was going to like, it was Anna and the Apocalypse. Very, very solid zombie teen musical. Uh-huh. Um, it's as if High School Musical was invaded by zombies, but not like zombies on Disney. It's like takes it very seriously, the zombie part, but the but great musical. Anyway, uh, I watched Satanic Panic with Rebecca Romaine, hmm. and it's uh, Satanism as a multi level marketing scheme. In an upscale neighborhood outside of Los Angeles or some city. I'm sure it was shot in Los Angeles. But uh, it was really clever. I mean, you know, it's not a super expensive movie. It's not great. But it was exactly what I needed to watch instead of the State of the Union. So, I mean, it really was. That was my choice. It's like a I'm very gonna, different horror movie. I'm going to watch Satanic Panic. And it, it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. So, uh Another film that I did see this week, and I think it's worth, I'm going to be as spoiler-free as possible, and it is, I saw Birds and Pre- Birds of Prey and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. And I am stunned to report that it was an incredibly great film. I don't know why I'm stunned. I thought it'd be fun. but It there- looks fun. It is, it is that. It is fun. There is so much going on in this film, uh, directed by Kathy Yan, I believe, uh, who, because you're partially seeing it through Harley's point of view, uh, plays with narrative, plays with time uh, in a clever way, gives enough of a spotlight to each member of the team that we know, that we would consider the birds of prey. 
uh, finds a way around the Joker. Ewan McGregor as Black Mask was surprisingly everything I could have wanted for Black Mask. And it is, like I, I think way back to Black Panther, um, the superhero of the comic book movie that is about something more than its source material. And it makes it, so it, it is a film in a way that I, yeah, I want to be fair. I think Wonder Woman try a, you know, it has elements of it. I can't think of DC's, you know, and, and it's the answer to Joker. If you thought that Joker, um, the Todd Phillips film, uh, even though they are, this is the Harley Quinn from suicide squad and they do make a reference to suicide squad and, you can believe Jared Leto was somewhere involved or not. That's your choice. Um, they used a body double because they didn't want to have anything. The sure. actual production didn't have, want to have anything to do with Jared Leto in, in this case. Um, but it is the it is the response, whether Warner Brothers meant it to do it or not. It is the response to Todd Phillips' Joker. It is, it is the movie that the um, people that were angry about Captain Marvel thought captain marvel was hmm. birds of prey is what they thought captain marvel was trying to say ah. and captain marvel was saying it but birds of prey really knocks it home and i can hardly wait for you to see it i don't need to talk about it on the podcast but i want to talk about things with people that i that i know will get what i think was uh-huh. going on there it's just yeah, I, I got to see it again. Looking I look forward to it. I need to give them my money. I really do. You know, so I there. Uh, that's that. Let's, let's move to television, shall we? Sure. Uh, even though I jumped ahead to the, those Marvel things, uh, there was a comic book adaptation that dropped on Netflix last week or two weeks ago, and I almost missed it. I think it was two weeks ago. October Faction on Netflix, and it's like what was that one you did in Island? Yeah, yeah. I have not read the source material, and it's by um, Steve Niles, the graphic novel, or the trade paperback, I should say, because I'm sure it was a comics miniseries first. Can we just agree, graphic novel, please? Of all the things to write in to me about, don't write in about that. I understand. Most people just call them graphic novels now. Um, so Tra- I, I, I've Trades. Not, trades. Well, I know. They're trades, yeah. but, I mean, they get billed as graphic novels. Yeah. And, and I'm sure it was a complete story. Uh the casting was fantastic. I watched the first episode. The casting was terrific. And really, in, in one case, in, in the role of the father, because uh, it's a family of, uh, of, of monster hunters, it was, a ter- it was a really good choice. It was kind of against what you might expect. And perhaps the original art, I, I don't know, because I, I haven't even... I looked for it last night. I was at the comic shop last night. And, uh, and it was like, okay, do you have... A-? And I couldn't find it. You know, so I, I'll have to look on the... Hoopla or Amazon or Comixology. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's probably great source material, but I found myself very curiously uninvolved in in the pilot. And then I went, I'm behind on Lost in Space. So I'm going to watch Lost in Space, oh. which I know you watched season two. I'm only halfway through the first episode of season two, but I went back into my only problem with Lost in Space. You know, like the last time we all met, we had Drew Campbell and we were talking about uh-huh. binging you wanted to binge Mandalorian. There are still shows that really, I think they benefit from having to wait, wait, wait. Um, I'm just t- twelling my story. Uh, that I, you have to, you have, you to, have to absorb it for a while. You have to you... wait week to week. No, it's not even absorption. It's that there's an element to the storytelling that if you watch three episodes back to back, and this is my problem with lost in space. Otherwise, as if I if I just accept it's not the Lost in Space I loved, uh-huh. but that person that loved that Lost in Space was four, uh, and that it's really good science fiction. But you watch three episodes back to back, and there's just there's just a moment about a third of the way through the third episode where you just go, "Can this family catch a g damn exactly. break?" Exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like which I realized like I used to get review copies of Smallville. And would watch the entire season in one episode and go, like, again, I'd get three episodes in and go, I know this information already. Could right. you please move the story forward? Right. You know? They have to repeat it in case you missed the episode you know, before. And, and and so there are shows that just we haven't hit that golden mean where you can binge everything. 
you know, and, and so that's. Well, I, I thought that I thought Lost in Space was entirely bingeable. I mean, I didn't. It's it's an adventure story. It's there's not a whole lot deep there. You know, the only one that I was happy that it rolled right over, which, by the way, as of today, apparently Netflix is going to let us stop doing the previews. Oh, really? You know, that we were complaining about. So. Right. But the only episode that, like, logically I had to go to the next one um, was that the end, as it, as it turned out, I lost track of where I was. The last episode of season one rolled right into the first episode of season two oh, because cool. I was behind. So those were the only two I really, really had to watch back oh, yeah. to back. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, which was, ter- you know, it was great. But, uh, and the cliffhanger for this season is awesome too. Okay, and so, so I'll take my time. You yeah. know, I kind of, I've kind of went through some things. Uh, <laughs> I've gone through some things, man. No, uh, that I was just like jumping around shows um, I, where I was kind of like, well, what is this one like? Okay, like I stumbled across what I suspect will probably is probably a better show in its native language than it was in the horribly dubbed version that's on Netflix called Diableros. Ah. About demon hunters in Mexico City, and I thought intriguing premise. First scene, really good. The voices that they chose to dub, very competent voice actors that don't match the bodies those voices are coming mm. out of at all. And it was like, yes, again, when I was a child, and you watch Speed Racer and Ultraman, and Peter Fernandez's voice came out of six characters and didn't match those characters anyway. But you, but you were five, so it was okay. Right. Um, and he did it, God bless him, because he certainly influenced my childhood. But, you know, now bad dubbing bothers me, you know. And, and so anyway, uh, so we go from October Faction IDW to Lock and Key debuts this weekend. So I think that's one. Another one that looks super good. I can't binge it. I don't have time. Uh, but I'm looking forward to at least watching the first episode tomorrow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, very much. Excited for Lock and Key, and you can see the trailer. And if you follow the link at the end of the trailer, you can watch the first scene of Lock and Key, which looks to open up in a different, no pun intended, sorry, open up the story in a different way than the graphic novels actually began. And then, of course, everybody, every comic shop, when I, when I go into it and I say, you know, are you looking forward to Lock and Key? And they say, yeah, but when's the next comic coming? And that's what I want to hear. Right. You know, and... Well, there is another... Yeah, there's they've a, announced. It's yes, more. no, they announced it. It's it's just like there's yeah. supposed to be another Umbrella Academy. You know, yeah. uh, there'll be more. There will be more. It takes people time. They're busy doing things. Joe Hill's running an empire almost as large as his as his father's yeah. right now. Yeah, and then his brother started writing books too. Well, Hill has his own semi comic imprint now. Yeah, talk about that. I I read one of yeah. them. I'm I, I I'm gonna be, I'm gonna look forward to the trade paperbacks of those. I think and, and maybe enjoy more. One thing on not on your list. Can I add? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, you remember? You, are you caught up on Picard? Yes, I was about to say that I'm whelmed. I think it's a slow burn that's going to get really fiery in a little while. What I'm, I'm up really cool enjoying that uh, acknowledging the age. Uh-huh. Um, I'm loving watching all these actors just revel in their roles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's but it's another one where I think well a little at, and it, is, it hurts me because I like Michael Chabon obviously as a showrunner and he wrote the second episode. I don't remember if he wrote the pilot or not, but um, he wrote the second he wrote episode. Wrote the second episode. I and there's you know there's a, a reflection to it, and yet there's also I would say it's like it's both the best because you've got Picard, a magnificent character. It's an interesting concept going on, like mm-hmm. with the, the ultimate plot. It's supposed to be the best of what Star Trek has to offer, and in some ways, the worst because there are just clunky things going on. Like, and maybe I need to walk away from television and film for about six weeks because I watched Picard, and there was not a single thing in Picard that happened that I hadn't called five minutes before it it happened. Really? Okay. Yeah, I, you know, nothing that was supposed to be a big surprise for me was a big surprise. Character work was lovely, and but as far as the big plot twist, I I take this back. I will I will admit I didn't see we can say talk about the ending of the pilot right. 
I didn't see the Borg cube coming, but probably should have. And then it was really just context. It was, you know, once you got to episode two and it's like, oh, it's no big deal. We've just salvaged the Borg cube. It wasn't the revelation that the cliffhanger made it seem like it was. Right. Right. Um, but I, you know, I am looking forward to seeing old characters come back. I loved seeing David Paymer and going further back to the previous ship that, before the Enterprise that Picard, the Stargazer yes. that, that Picard had served on. I just like David Paymer as an actor. And then to realize, well, he's getting up there too. It's just, I, not to insult, it's more like to just, I just love seeing actors that I grew up watching. Right. And now they've grown up really, more. And- get a really good role at this age. And I lo- love watching Picard and, you know, it, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in because of course I'm, I'm a Star Trek fan and uh and I'm sure it will get better. I just I just don't feel like anything See, I think it's 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 difficult when you write these long arc things and then you cut them up into into hour segments or a little less. Well, Stephanie asked me like, did I feel that way about Discovery? And here's the thing, is like to me, Discovery, what happened with it was I watched the pilot that they showed on on CBS uh-huh. before I subscribed to CBS All Access, and actually I binged it on Netflix on a trip to England where it was on Netflix instead of CBS. Um, and the first two episodes were like, "Oh, this is an interesting movie set in the Star Trek universe." Uh-huh. And if it had ended with Michael Burnham like going off to prison, I'm like, "Okay, they're going to set up a sequel to this." And I mean, and I really think that's the way it was structured, like yeah. little movies. And you got to a point like. And what I said to Stephanie was I was completely thrown off by the presence of the mirror universe and that that was the twist and that Jason Isaac had been from the mirror universe all along. Right. That surprised me. So maybe they will have it, but I think there was also a structural difference in that what you didn't have then was, of course, little short treks. So we've already seen a short trek about – Children the day of Mars. The, the day the, the Children of Mars, the day that they – cute little film. And, um, and not cute because obviously it's about a, a Mar- the Martian – It's a solid little vignette. A solid vignette. Some of the short tracks have been odd. Uh, the animated ones did not really yeah. quite do it for me because I thought that's just killing time. But maybe because they're going to go to the below decks, you know, to kind of like – that right. style will show right. up. Um. But again, I think I think it was more clearly Discovery ended up being better structured in many arcs, whereas Picard right now is just kind of meandering with a great sci-fi idea. And now I, I apologize, I, I, my eyes had diverted. Okay, I looked at my at my own phone screen when uh, Allison Pill's character picked up the sci-fi book, and I thought the line right. of Picard saying, "I don't," what was the book? Which book was it? Oh, jeez. I think it was a Heinlein book. Okay. But I thought that was a stupid self-referent. I'm going to say it. A stupid self-referential line that he doesn't get science fiction. I'm like, and so then I was distracted for five minutes going, yeah, what does science fiction look like in the 24th century? Why distract me from that? You know, from enjoying the show by making a self-referential line that takes me out, you know? It didn't take me that far out. I mean, well, it, yeah. it, and also it annoyed me that you make Patrick Stewart say that because it's something I've thought about a lot. You know, you think about well, how, what's what's the role of Jules Verne in literature today? Well, you know, like somebody's it's made the very strong argument that Dracula is not a horror novel; it's a sci-fi novel yeah. because the focus is all on new technologies for communication. Right. I thought that's really interesting because we don't perceive it that way at all. You know, but. Um, yeah, but it's the same thing. Uh, time gives a different context to to any. No, no and, and that's fine. I just thought it was a you know. I we we should say by the way. I'll just jump back to movies briefly. As of course, Patrick Stewart did admit in an interview that he had had talks with Kevin Kevin Feige about coming back as Xavier for an X Men appearance uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and he said if they hadn't done Logan, he uh-huh. would have. Uh-huh. but Logan. Tied the tied the bow on right on his version of Professor X. Right. It's like it's better and it, and and you know yes I I totally see that just as you're kind of right. I don't want to see Hugh Jackman come back as Wolverine because he did give the performance of the lifetime and told the Wolverine story right that was different. Yeah, you know, 
and to go back to Birds of Prey, that's what I mean. I, I am enjoying these films that have something to say about something larger. Logan was about age. Uh, you know, Black Panther was certainly about racism and, and treatment of ethnicity uh, and Afrocentrism. And uh, and Birds of Prey is, yeah, it's feminist. And I, I still had a blast. Yeah. I had a blast with that movie. So uh, how about Doctor Who's? Who? Who? Yeah, we, we haven't uh, touched base on that. I, I, I don't know if there I... There have been mostly good... There was uh, a couple of clunkers. The orphans one, one I, orphan fifty five. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, that I know. I, I I appreciated the message at the end. I appreciated the the revelation. You know that the revelation would be a shocker to the to the companions. I like how they have played how surprised the companions are. In a way that I feel like every other companion, like through the Moffat and and Davis area uh, eras quickly acclimatized to what the doctor was and that this has been this a doctor role. this doctor lies more than you expect but she's jody whittaker so she's charming right. and we get and she gets away with and it. but there's a lot of interesting things going on in the do- group dynamics of this because they can almost function i i was thinking about um doc savage and his fantastic five you know it's they can go off and function on their own. In fact, I love the line from the last episode. Start Praxius. With Praxius. Praxius yeah. Where she goes, oh, look at you going off on your own, not getting killed. Yes. <sighs> this is a very – this group is independent in the way that Clara became. Right. Rose did. Right. You know. But they're independent as a group functioning. I really like that. And yeah. it rolled right out of the previous episode where she said, oh, there's – things on three parts around the earth they could be connected right shall we check it out and then that she actually split them up was fascinating so i i I love that it's actually more like the shadow and his agents than than yeah Yeah. no you're right you're right because the amazing five were not that amazing on their own or the fantastic five yeah uh but uh was gonna gonna say you, you roll back to the previous episode where uh you know we we had two major things john barrowman returning which is just hilarious. So like, I wish that had been a surprise. God, I wish that had been no, a surprise. I, I, no, I know. But I would say that here's the thing is at least once I saw the headlines and I, I'm w- with you, I was very annoyed. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I think on this podcast, I think we're, we try to be very cognizant of, spoil- of spoilers because it's like even if even if something has been out for a couple of days – life sometimes gets in the way and why yeah. I don't have any right or reason to spoil it for you if you haven't been able to get to something. And and Doctor Who for the last several weeks, it's been, I don't get to it till maybe Tuesday night. And I have to go, blah, 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 you know, and, and put blinders on on Facebook and go, uh, okay, you're right. I don't need to be on social media. You're right. I don't. If that's your, give me your comment. Yeah. I get it. And yet, no, I'm addicted. Okay. I admit it. There we go. I have a monkey on my back and he looks like Mark Zuckerberg. Ooh. Yeah. Live with that Ooh. image, people. Ooh. Uh, he, <laughs> so anyway, uh, it, it's uh, it, that it was still done so well that I could appreciate oh. – the appearance and the other the other major revelation in there. Which when he is, said, "Did you did you, you miss, miss me?" me? And you, you were, yes, I, I, I did. And you know what happened there with the, uh, how they how they snuck snuck him on and how he covered for it. Well, he's only in one scene with no, uh, no, no. But Graham. you know what John Barrowman did. So he was spotted in Cardiff. Okay. So he Instagrammed out that he was in Cardiff. He stopped by the studios just to say hi to see if his friends were there. Uh-huh. But that because he has an apartment there, he was redecorating. And so he decided, well, since he was in Cardiff anyway, he would go ahead and redecorate the apartment. <laughs> but yes, they wrapped him in, t- in blankets and they snuck him in at like four in the morning. And and so he could d- shoot that. And then now they're saying like, you know, Chris Chibnall's going to, yeah, he won't be back this season. I'm like, we don't trust you. <laughs> Why should I trust you? But okay. And, and, and I'm back to my thing is, it's like with the child on the Mandalorian. I am so much more delighted by not having known, and you truly given yes. me a surprise. Yes. In in my fiction of choice, that and I and I know perhaps there is some irony in having a, a a podcast talking about these fanboy things we like, but 
I like being startled. Uh-huh. I like being taken, you know, that. The other revelation, very cool. I don't know where that's going to go, but all right. You know, and at the beginning of the year, I don't know why it didn't occur to me we'd get a new master, but it didn't. And right. so that revelation at the end was of the total surprise. Of Spyfall was like awesome. And the actor, and I can't remember his name, his turn. Yes. When he, he realizes he's about to be exposed and he turns from the charming good guy to yes. here comes this, Look the for cynicism. The master. And, and it, yeah, he's great. Yeah. And his agony, even at the end when he sends her to, to Gallifrey. So, yes, it is a darker thing. I To John Barrowman, somehow I've missed him because we're going to Gallifrey 1 next week, which don't bother looking for us. I mean, well, you can. We'll pro- I'm going to wear my shirt at least one day. I'll be wearing a robe at one point. Spoilers. I hope not. Don't spoil anything. And pajamas. Oh, God. Okay, anyway. It's thematic. Yeah, great. Okay. Oh, are you Arthur Dent? I'm looking for tea. Yes, okay. Uh, Anyway, brownie in motion. Uh, So anyway, uh, we'll be at Gallifrey 1, and that's usually the time I stock up on my year's supply of CDs of Big Finish audio dramas. And so it was just announced this week, aside from I got to pick up uh, Adam Adamant, uh, hopefully they'll have uh, a set. And if not, I'll get it virtually. I, I do want to listen to it. But um, that they announced that River Song and Captain Jack will be appearing in Volume 3 of The Adventures of Captain Jack, which somehow I always see the Torchwood stuff. And I'm like, yeah, Torchwood's fine. Yeah. But it's not – he's a different character. He has to play it differently in that. Mm-hmm. I like the completely – the Captain Jack who is really just John Barrowman being right. John Barrowman. Uh, apparently there are two series of Captain Jack adventures just like that. And now the next series is going to be uh, Alex Kingston and John Barrowman. And I'm thinking I will listen to just an hour and a half of the two of them giving each other crap. The only thing that would be would be better – is if you brought um, oh dang it uh, I'm I'm seeing everything but her name the 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 redheaded comedian who was there oh, at, um, uh, Catherine Tate yeah if you put Barrowman and Catherine Tate oh. in I don't care what drama big finish if you're listening uh, that maybe you should do like a Noel Coward play with John Barrowman and Catherine Tate doing some Noel Coward. I would find that delightful or just improvise for an hour and a half. Which was the Shakespeare play that she and Tennant were in? Uh, Much Ado About Nothing. Much Ado About Nothing. I love that. I mean, it's one of my favorite Shakespeare plays, but that was. And you saw it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because you can rent it. And yeah, yeah, we did. It was delightful. I'll tell you you, uh, a story about that uh, uh, off air. Uh, So anyway, there we go. I think that's all. all I want to say tonight, we'll we'll have some interviews in the weeks ahead, and we've got to do a Cinequest episode because that's coming up. My God, I forgot to mention Cinequest. Cinequest, 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 Cinequest. The is this like the seventy fifth anniversary of Cinequest? Uh, it may be the centennial. Okay, uh, Cinequest twenty twenty. Back when they were doing the tin type. Some interesting, uh, some interesting films coming up. I've seen a list, um, and I've got some screeners, and I'm going to be trying to go through. And I'm excited they've got the big, big. Uh, Room for the VR experiences again. Yeah. And uh, the big one, I do have to call this, uh, the California Theater will be showing uh, ah. 2001, A Space Odyssey in 70 millimeter. Oh. And in the silent film this year is The Mark of Zorro. Yes. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm excited so excited. That. I'm so excited. So anyway, there you go. You can tell what we're going to be doing in March, and we'll be having conversations with, with – uh, some talent from that over the next few weeks, and and of course, uh, I'm hoping we'll be able to schedule our our annual conversation with Mike Rabel, the uh, programmer of Cinequest. So there we go, program director. So uh, that's it. Uh, once again, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, write into editor at fanboyplanet.com. And, of course, uh, you can go to cinequest.org and get tickets to that ahead of time. And if, if oh, you can see the whole schedule of the films, yeah, too. Yeah, and, and if there's anything you would like to purchase through Amazon, we do appreciate that. But, again, I do encourage you to check out your local brick-and-mortar store. I am a sucker. I do believe in keeping small businesses open uh, and going to – Oh, yeah. You know, and, and trying to support your local businesses, you know, and, yeah. So especially your local comic shop. 
All right. Uh, that's it. I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Rick Pretznider, reminding you to use, use your powers for good. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com. I'm recording now. What? Just now? I don't even... My hair. You know we record for like 15 minutes and I use the last (laughs) three. I hope you use no more than 20 seconds. The point is just to make it sound like, oh, what conversations just happened? What? Um, (laughs) Why this old thing? Well, sometimes it needs a little context. Otherwise, it would just sound bizarre. I know, but I just... And that's why their feet are webbed. Good morning! Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's hilarious, and now that's how I'm going <laughs> to... And that's why they're feeding. And please say good morning. <laughs> good morning! Uh, if you're listening... What? We've been up all night long. <laughs> and Rick just told me we'd started recording. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. I think we've got a scripted bit <laughs> to open this. Uh, so let me just quickly make sure... Because, man, is something...